Working parent, this episode is for you. We're talking about how to make the best use of your limited time when you're off work and with your kids. My name is Lou Blazer. You're listening to Second Breaks, and this is episode 104. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me today for another episode of Second Breaks, where we talk about navigating a changing world of work making leaps and thriving in our chosen careers. We are continuing on with our summer theme on the podcast, Work-Life Balance. And uh, this is the topic that we've been talking about for, I don't know how many, uh, this is like the third episode, right? So we've been talking about this topic since episode 101. Um, I kind of started it off with a rant. (laughs) And then um, the rant was all about how I feel about work-life balance, that it's a personal thing, that we shouldn't be judgy-judgy about what other people's work-life balance are, are like. And um, episode 102 is uh, uh, when I had Cassie Burke on the show, and we talked about conquering busyness, B-U-S-Y-N-E-S-S. And we talked about whether business is a good thing or a bad thing or you know what should we be looking at to see whether it's a good thing or a bad thing for us and then last episode episode 103 i had on nick poplavsky and we talked about how we can do the hustle you know and the word hustle obviously connotes some kind of you know working hard playing hard sort of context, right? But anyway, we talked about how we can do our hustle, how we can aggressively pursue our goals, and yet skip all the stress and overwhelm. So that was uh, um, episode 103. And today, today I'm bringing back a portion of a previous conversation that I had with Ayelet Marinovich. Ayelet is a pediatric speech language pathologist, and uh, she works with families with infants and toddlers, and she is the founder of Strengths in Words, a podcast and an educational resource for parents and caregivers uh, so that they can have peace of mind as they care for their kids, for their children. Now, I bring back this particular portion of our conversation because this is where we talked about maximizing the limited time that working parents have with their kids. And although I am not a mother and I am happily child-free, I get that part of the whole you know, work-life balance challenge that parents have is that they want to be the best parent, right, for their kids while they're, you know, they also want to do well at work. And, but there's only so much time you know, in the day to split between these two competing priorities. So I asked Ayelet what working parents can do to make the best and the most effective use of their time when they're off work and finally spending time with their kids. Now, before I transition to my chat with Ayelet, just wanted to give you a couple of quick updates about new resources that you might find useful that you can find on the podcast's home website, which is secondbreaks.com. So thing number one, I've put together the Ninja Moves Guide. This guide is a curated list of the strategies and the tactics that um, were used by 
previous profiled guests of this podcast. So the habits, the practices, the processes that help them carry out their career transitions. You can grab a copy of that guide when you go to the website. In fact, right on the homepage, there's going to be a big link to grab a copy of the Ninja Moves Guide. And thing number two, guests of the show often recommend a book that's made an impact on them or has helped them with their career journey. And I have now created a resource page so that you can easily find all these book recommendations in one place. So they are also categorized by topic. And um, the topic is based on what I consider to be their main topic. Uh, and that's not how they may... Uh, be listed on, you know, Amazon or in other bookstores. But anyway, you can go to secondbreaks.com and right there on the menu under resources, you're going to find the the link to the guest book recommendations. Okay. So let's get on with my conversation with Yelit and I'll catch up with you at the back end. Um, diving into a little bit about, you know, one of the areas that I know that you work on, you know, I certainly have worked with professional women or women who are working, who are also becoming new moms or new parents, and they're trying to balance having a career or having working, but, and also being a good mom or a good parent to their kids. I'm sure you've encountered this many times, and are there common sort of challenges or misconceptions that women women may have about parenting that we could talk about? Yeah. And I, I mean, I certainly think that women have them, but I don't think that they're at all exclusive to women for sure. Uh, but I do think that in general, uh, we, okay, first of all, like, we forget what we are very separated from what play is with a with a tiny person, a tiny human, right? Like our conception of play is this very generally very adult version of like very uh, you know logical and linear, right? So like books are for reading. You read it from front to back or back to front, as the case may be. Or blocks are for stacking, and like this is what you do with this object. So when you have a baby who's just starting to say reach and grasp things or takes a book and mouths that book uh, and doesn't have a very long attention span or can't you know I mean we are like I don't know what to do with this thing like (laughs) what does play look like with an infant or even a a young toddler Mm. especially since toddlers are not known for their ability to you know, take turns and share things and follow rules, right? That's not what they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be challenging all of those things. That's how they learn about the world. So how do we play with tiny people? Uh, We have to get down on their level and follow what they're doing. That's all. (laughs) And so it's it's this total, uh, I think, redirection of our own, how we are conceiving of what what we're supposed quote unquote, supposed to be doing. And I think a lot of times we start from the question of what do I need to get to stimulate my baby's brain and help support her development? You know, what are the things, what are the toys that will do that? And it's actually a total reframing because it's not about, it doesn't matter what your 
playing with, actually. It's about the interaction. It's babies, infants, and toddlers learn through observation, interaction with another human being, and, and imitation. So if they're doing, like, you could be playing with, a, you know, you can go out and grab and purchase the, like, beautifully, you know, organically stained wooden shaker or drum, but you, the like developmental benefit of that drum versus the laundry basket that's sitting in your house is exactly the same. I'm so glad that you said it because I could just imagine like somebody who's like coming home from work and only have so much time and then they were looking at the kid and I'm like, oh my God, why isn't, I just bought this nice thing. Why isn't he engaging with this toy the way that I want him to engage or I think he should, en should engage yeah, with the right. toy. Yeah. And then I think the other thing and that is happening, and I certainly have seen this even in, in my family, is that, you know, we have all these, uh, I guess, the, the impact of tools like Pinterest and Instagram is that we are inundated with beautiful pictures of moms on how they're doing with their kids and how their kitchen is pretty and how you know the kids are always clean and how their yeah. nurseries <laughs> are always beautiful and and I'm I'm sensing that there is this I want to be a good person at work and I also want to be this perfect mom at home and the ideals are based on Pinterest ready and Instagram ready pictures yes absolutely and we're the worst at judging ourselves and comparing ourselves to others. And of course that doesn't stop when at, at us, it also like what our children are doing is also reflective of us. Right. So yes. <laughs> it's, it's an impossible standard also to live up to, of course. Right. Like you flip through <laughs> Instagram photos, for instance, because I think this is like such a good example right now uh, Pinterest is equally, you know, it's the same. And of course, Facebook, all of the social media is the same. We curate the Jesus out of it. Right, right exactly. You curate the out of your feeds, right? I mean, you are not, most likely you're not showing the tantrum that, that followed, you know, the beautiful like family dinner that you're having, right? Or like you're sh you're showing the child sitting at his table, but you're not showing like everything on the floor, right? I mean, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> we also are living in this period in which motherhood, parenthood is portrayed at either end of the spectrum. Either it's this like, oh, everything is beautiful. Motherhood is miraculous. I am so bonded to my baby from the minute I felt him kick or before that, you know, I mean, and like I'm uh, breastfeeding was perfect and I, I feel amazing all the time and I'm glowing and my hair never fell out. Right. Or you hear about like just the like incredibly difficult things that can happen or like it's so isolating I'm so depressed I'm so exhausted like it's either of those things when in reality just like everything else it's all of those things all the time sometimes from one minute to the next right I mean, <laughs> like no moment is without both of those uh polar opposites so 
Yes, I think there's absolutely the pressure and it's really hard and it's impossible because we pretend that that's reality when absolutely it's not. It's it's everything. <laughs> I had a friend when I was still living in New York and uh, she had a baby. So they were living in the city. And so, of course, in the city, you had to get on a waiting list to get into this you know preschool I'm sure it's like that where you are too but anyway she would tell me how sometimes she feels so guilty because so she was a working mom right so she she had her nine to five and then you know but she would feel so guilty because sometimes there's comp she feels as if there's competition amongst the other moms in the daycare center and then they would compare the development of their kids and she would feel so horrible that her kid's not there yet. Yeah. And I mean, and here's the, like the only alleviation that we can get from that is by having an understanding of where our babies can or should be with regard to any part of that development and how to, to stimulate that, how to support it. And then the answer really is in the things that you are already doing. It's like, the caregiving routines that you are performing, whether or not you work, you're most likely seeing your baby at least once a day, right? Mm. Whether it's in the morning and or in the evening, hopefully you're around for one of the following things, right? A waking up routine, right? You can get your baby out of the bed, go to the window, have a routine or a ritual that's like going to the window and saying hello to the sun or singing a song and like, hello, it's a very basic like hello song or whatever it is, like what's the weather? Like if you do that thing every day, then you're teaching your baby about language. Uh, you're creating a pattern and a sequence of events that's within the realm of cognition. You're holding your baby in a certain way and perhaps moving and helping them reach or whatever it is that they're doing, this motor development. And you're supporting social and emotional development by interacting with you. Boom. Mm -hmm. Okay, done. Mm -hmm. That's it. Great. Mm -hmm. one, one tiny moment that probably lasted maybe two minutes, right? At the very most. <laughs> uh, and then other caregiving routines that maybe happen throughout the day, of course, diaper changes, uh, bathing perhaps, or washing of some kind, whether it's like a full bath or like wiping your face, right? Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> Uh, nursing or feeding or bottle or whatever it is that baby's doing at that, like whether or not they're on solids or whether they're on the boob or a bottle, uh, uh, you know, what else? Um, dr getting dressed, getting undressed and, you know, going to bed. All of those mm -hmm. things happen pretty much ev at least every day, at least once a day. And if we maximize those tiny moments, then we are supporting and connecting with our babies in these very valuable ways, supporting all areas of development and maximizing that time. Of course, we want more. We always, well, we don't always want more. <laughs> Depends. But like, I mean, here's the thing, whether or whether you work full time or home is your work or it's somewhere in between, it's not like a stay at home mom or dad is spending all their time staring at the baby either right like you got to get done you got to get true. done you go grocery shopping you go to the bank you go to the whatever like you have to get your work and your life done so we're all trying to fit that sort of connection piece in amidst the the duties of real life 
That is so true. And so instead of feeling guilty that you're spending six, seven, eight hours at work, is maximizing those times that you are actually with your baby or with your kid. That's so good. When I was growing up, it was like, you know, Sesame Street, like TV sure. shows like that, yeah. right? Yeah. But uh, nowadays, there are things like YouTube or, you know, things like that. Apparently, there are uh, YouTube videos that sound like they're for kids, but they're not really very good videos for kids, but they're being built as kids. Yeah. Yeah, kid-friendly. Yeah, kid-friendly. So between that and video games that are now all over the place. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, I don't know. This may be a controversial question to ask you, but um, how effective were those, or should we be staying away from those? Sure. But I could understand for the for the mom or the dad who's very busy and just mm -hmm. got back from work. Can I just sit my kid in front of the YouTube channel and be done with it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so yes, there's a lot to unpack in there. And there, uh, one thing that I want to be very clear about is you do you. Like, you have to get your life done. <laughs> and whatever way that works for you to do that, do it. What I see as a clinician and as a parent educator is basically this misconception that uh, educational, quote unquote, educational apps or screens or even like button pushing, uh, noise making toys that are mm. often billed as learning activities and learning toys. And, you know, your baby will learn about categories and colors and animals and da da da. Like, right? I mean, here's what, okay, first of all, a, a button pushing toy teaches one thing and one thing only cause and effect. If a baby pushes a button, something happens. That's how they learn how to do that. Now you can learn cause and effect by many other things, including things like gravity, right? Experiments in gravity. If I take this piece of food and throw it on the ground, my mom will pick it up. That's also cause and effect, right? So you, so like that one thing that those toys teach can be and will be learned in many other ways. <laughs> um, now, uh, the other thing is with things like screens and those like educational apps or toys or videos. So there is a sort of a theory of, I believe it's called like transference, uh, transference of learning mm. uh, where essentially like can kids under the age of say two or three learn and transfer. Can they acquire language through looking at say a two dimensional picture of a ball, right? And this is like, you know, if there's a ball bouncing up and down and there's a character or a voice saying, ball, ball, throw the ball, catch the ball, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if that child has no direct experience with a three-dimensional ball playing with their caregiver or in their environment, they are not going to learn a word. They are not going to acquire vocabulary that they have no contextual learning and contextual experience with. Now, maybe over a period of time, maybe, and especially after a certain age, yes. But if we're looking for efficiency, right, and effectiveness, that's not the most effective way to teach your baby anything. <laughs> um, 
They're, I mean, if, if the baby knows the word ball, then they can receptively or comprehensive, comprehendingly recognize that that is a ball on the screen potentially, but they're not going to learn the, the new skill from the screen. So I think the misconception is that, oh, these educational apps and videos, like they're great for my kid and they're going to teach them new skills. Well, that's actually not true. Now, are you going to hurt your baby's brain by sitting him in front of the TV while you make dinner or whatever? No, <laughs> he's going to be fine. Just make sure that you're also doing the other stuff, right? Also interacting, also providing opportunities for your baby to imitate and play and have actual physical learning experiences with that stuff. Um, and that's, that's sort of the difference. Oh, there's another point I was going to make, and now I can't forget. You can't remember. Don't but. don't completely outsource it to the app. Right. Yeah. And this, you know, when we talk about like baby screen babysitting. Well, yeah. Like, but but they're not like. <laughs> hopefully, a babysitter would do more than that. But you know, sometimes here's the thing: like, when you go to a park in the middle of the day or a playground, and you see a lot of the nannies are on their phones. The parents are on their phones. Like I get it. We all need some time. I do it too. But I also make sure to engage with my child as well. Um, because what what they learn is through imitation. So if you are on your phone and showing your child, if they're trying to get your attention, that the phone is more important, then they're going to learn that the phone is more important. And they're going to mm-hmm. be even more curious about it. And they're going to be more obsessed with it when they have the chance to uh, engage with it. So that's, that's sort of the, the piece. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's a really, uh, cause what we're talking about is efficiency and maximizing our time. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> that's not the most effective way. I have a, I have a, a, a girlfriend who tells me she works from home and she says that, and I think her daughter is, I want to say under three years old or certainly definitely under five, but uh, she says that uh, instead of, she made sure that she has a workspace that the, she only does the work in that workspace and she doesn't like be in the living room playing with a kid and then working. So what she does is that she, it's a, it's almost like she said she she hopes that she's training her kid that when mommy goes in that room, mommy has to work for a little bit, but when mommy comes out, mommy will be with you one hundred percent. Something like That's that. Awesome. Yeah. I wish I was better at that <laughs> all of the time. Like you know, nobody's perfect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great way to do it. All right, I hope you found this episode and this chat with Ayelet useful. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I am child-free, but I can certainly see how resetting expectations about how you interact with your kids can help manage or even avoid altogether the stress and the frustration, especially when you're trying to balance the time that you spend at work and the time that you spend with your family. Now for the show notes where you can find the edited transcript of this conversation, information on where you can follow Ayelet online if you want to learn more about her process and her resources, and the link to grab the Ninja Moves Guide, head on over to secondbreaks.com forward slash podcasts and look for episode 104, which should be at the top of the page when you go there now. 
Next week, I will be back to wrap up our summer theme with a few more thoughts around work-life balance. I'm talking about the impact of technology on balance. And it's not black or white, right? As with everything in life these days, it's never either just black or white. It's it's gray, right? It's in a gray area. So I'm going to be I'm going to be talking about that and I'll also be talking about the next chapter for this podcast. Um it's not going away, but it is evolving just like everything else, right? So I hope you'll come back for that. And the best way so as not to miss that episode and all the future episodes is to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you're listening on right now. Or if you haven't been listening to this on the website, you're going to find right below the player a few options for you depending on where you like to listen. So Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, that kind of stuff. All right. So by the way, subscribing to the podcast is free of course right so i hope you do that okay until next week keep on making the debt my friend cool beans <laughs>